as a priest, you know, the priesthood, it's, it's not a career as such, but it's more or less a calling and an evocation. Whereby I don't even think of a salary or something. You get something like pocket money or something like that. But then I, I end up helping people, like young people who, 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 who cannot even go to school. For even when I was living in Ghana, people gave me something as a, let's say, farewell or something like that. All this kind of money I collect, I, could, I didn't even use it on myself, but just ended up helping people. Hello, my name is Abna Sewa, and this is Akadi Magazine's Connecting Communities podcast featuring a Ghanaian abroad. You were just listening to Reverend Father Frank Ayakwa, who is one of only two Ghanaian priests living and working in Madagascar. In this episode, the Reverend Father talks about what inspired him to dedicate his life to God, his passion for supporting the education of the next generation, and why he chose to live in Madagascar. I'm a priest, a religious missionary. A missionary means somebody who so moves from place to place. The whole urge to be a priest started as a young lad. Uh, as a young boy, I was a mass server. And uh, I always had that keen interest to become a priest, mm-hmm. seeing the priest, uh, or the, the old priest who were in Ghana as a, as a master, seeing how they, they, they comported themselves, how they carried out themselves. I, I, I got so much interested in me becoming a priest. Mm-hmm. And that edge carried me through when I was in GHS, uh, junior high school, up to even when I was in senior high school. That edge was still so strong. Mm-hmm. So already I had that mind that I would love to be a priest. But then there were other things also ahead, like maybe maybe a lawyer, a doctor, anything. But actually, I was thinking of agriculture engineering. That was mm-hmm. the thing what was in my mind. But then in the secondary school, day, whenever I go for vacation, you know, I go to church. I realized that the edge of being a priest is more than just having a career as a coach engineer. I would say the priesthood is not a career, but it's a calling. It's a vocation because the career will be more or less like you gaining something you know, at the end or a salary or something like that. But then the priesthood as a calling or as a vocation, you don't even think of what you are going to gain, but you are rather thinking of what you are going to give to others or the service you're going to render to God and then to humanity in general. So that edge was in me and I was like, oh, would it be okay with my parents knowing that I will not own anything, especially as a missionary, eh? I'm not going to own anything. I'm not going to have a property of my own and all those stuff. But then as time went on, I explained to my parents and lo and behold, they were okay with it. Eh? They were very happy. And so I finished secondary school and uh, I contacted a religious missionary congregation. It's like a group of priests in the, there are so many congregations. So I joined a congregation called uh, Society of the Divine Word, SVD. So this congregation is when I started my formation in 2004 in Ghana. And then being there, I did philosophy. So normally the priesthood do philosophy. I did for three years. And then after the philosophy, I did the one-year spiritual intensive uh, moment. Four years I was in Ghana, in Nkwetia, in the Eastern region. And then from there, I moved to the Congo for theology. So 2004, I entered. Then 2008, I went to Congo. 
DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo. And then because I had no French background, I had to do a year of French before I start my theology. So in that year, I did the uh, French for uh, nine months. And so uh, when I was ready with the French, I started a theology in 2009. How was that, learning another language? Learning another language, it wasn't easy at all. It wasn't easy for me uh, because actually I didn't have a good background, French background. Mm. So it was quite tough mm. and I had to adapt. You know? When you go there, the people don't speak English. Go about things or to talk to people, to be, to be happy and comfortable. I needed to learn the language. I really needed to learn the French. Tell us about the culture. What area of the DRC were you in politically? What was happening then? How did you feel like you fitted in? Okay, so when I went to Congo, DRC, it's almost the same as Ghana. But then uh, the conditions were not easy for me, especially as a language barrier. And at the same time, culturally, eh? when I talk of culture, the culture includes language. Mm. And then even the food, huh? the food was not, it's not so much the same. And then how people, the mentality, how people think is not so much as in Ghana, you know. For instance, when the people they talk with so much vehement, you would think the person is angry. Mm. And that wasn't the case. Uh-huh. Well, that's the way they talk. So those are, those are kind of the culture shocks, you know, culture shocks which... Uh, which, which came to me, then I was like, ah, why? Are these people easily, they get angry easily or what? Then mm. I realized, no, they are not angry, but it's their way of talking. They, they are very frank. It doesn't hide anything. It just tells you. I have to get used to the culture. What part of DRC were you in? Okay, I was in Kinshasa. Okay. You know, the capital, you learn not only French. Yeah, they use French, but then you learn Lingala also. There's this Lingala. That's what they use normally. I had to learn the Lingala after the French. It was okay. not easy because you are learning two languages. Let's <laughs> finish one, you are learning the other one. Uh-huh. But I realized the Lingala is more used as Ghana, you know, with tree and guy and all those things. In the local places, you know, in the market, you know, Lingala is more used. So you have to have a bit of background of Lingala, the mindset of the people. But then one thing is, unfortunately, I couldn't learn so well the Lingala. I just had to know what's so important for me to, to communicate, huh? the least communicate. As I said, I was going to do the theology in French, the theology. So what that was what was on my mind, focused on learning the French, which I, I learned. So I, I lived in Congo for five years. So which means in 2014, came to Ghana, the priestly ordination. Then after that, to continue my studies because I had to be, uh, so I had to continue my master's in Congo again, in the university. When I finished the master's, which I did everything in French. Wow. Language very well. Which university? St. Augustine's. Mm. It's a psychiatric university, St. Augustine's University. After finishing the the studies, theological Bible. Uh, So after doing my master's, I had to go for mission. Normally, you have a chance of choosing where you go. So I chose Madagascar for my mission. And in 2015, I came from Congo, I came to Madagascar. So you move from a culture where people are quite frank and they say what is on their mind, which can be shocking if you're not used to. I moved to a different kind of culture where people uh, are not so direct in the way of talking. 
<laughs> I like Ghana, man. I think Ghana will even be extremely better because here they use so much polite way of talking that mm. instead of going straight to the point, the person, he doesn't want to hurt you. So you, he will try to polish it so much that mm. sometimes in the beginning, I found it a bit irritating, you know? Mm. But I'm like, I'm from Congo. You have to tell me straightforward what you want. Mm. Black is black, white is white. You don't polish it. Even if you hurt me, you have to tell me the truth, no? So I'm not saying they're not truthful, but the question is more or less, you, you find it, it's, it's not so polite to just say something straightforward. It's to be so shocking. So you find a way of, polishing it a bit and if you're not careful you end up diluting it a bit mm. which uh, the, the sense of what you want it doesn't come out so well yeah so that was the course i found myself in and then the other thing i found here was like they're very patient no more or less in ghana or in congo for drivers to be hooting if you are driving hooting making noise insulting in the traffic <laughs> i found it very strange yeah People are very calm. They're not in a hurry. Nobody who that you, nobody will be screaming. No, no, no. So I was like, wow, these people are very patient. I learned was the patient. Be patient. That's one thing mm. I've learned here. I mean, I feel like with the DRC, we haven't touched on politically how it was there. Did that affect your okay. learning? Okay. So in the DRC, there were moments of this, uh, how do you call piage? There were political disturbances huh? where people had, it's like uh, riots huh? where people just get angry with the political system because it was election time. Mm. And the elections were rigged, you know? So people come out on the street to demonstrate. And in the demonstration, uh, they end up... So they end up spoiling things, stealing, all those things. The situation was a bit rough, you know? How did it make election. you feel? Very insecure. I couldn't mm. go to Ghana. I couldn't so we were indoors for about a month when mm. we went to school because you could just lose your life and go out. So it's a bit rough, which I've never experienced in my life being yeah. in Ghana. And then, moreover, apart from that political instability, which occurred, there was also like um, the strictness of um, proving your identity as a Congolese. If you mm. go out, you are not careful, the police can just ask you for your identity, your passport, your permit of stay, which it has to be on you every time. That I never experienced, you know? So you always have to be with the photocopy of your passport and then the, the permit to stay in Congo with you. Otherwise, you could be put in jail, you know? You could be harassed by the police. Let me call it harassed, but sometimes very strict. So is it because they thought that maybe you might be a, an informant for another country? Why does it matter if you're not a Congolese? I think it's all due to the political situation, which was instability. So mm. the, sometimes some of the policemen, is just a way of getting money. Well, when he, he finds out you are not a Congolese, he could ask, you pay a, a fine. Why don't you have a passport on you? They're supposed to pay a fine. So you pay that fine. And actually, I personally wasn't a victim. I never felt mm. a victim. Maybe because, but I had friends who were from Madagascar. Because their color and this proves that they are not from Congo. So they were most, most of the time being um, interrogated by the police. Some had to pay about $50 eh, to be free. According to the experience, they were really frightened. Most of them couldn't go out. They were afraid to go out. So they had to work with some of us. 
Mm. Uh, the Congolese. Not all the policemen were like that, but some were just abusing their yeah. Before we leave Congo, tell me about the food. You said it's different to Ghana. Did you have a favorite dish? It's a bit different to Ghana in the sense that, you know, Ghana, you have the taste of variety in West Africa in general, where you vary, the food varies, no? You mm. could eat rice in the morning or in the afternoon, you know, and you eat fufu or you eat something else, yam. But they had more or less, they have their fufu, which is not so much as our fufu. Their fufu is more of maize. They use maize mixed a bit of uh, cassava, you know, flour. So maize flour, maize flour mixed with cassava flour. That is what we would call more or less like, uh, not the banco, but mm. more or less like a plain. Yeah. Okay. Uh, depending on the texture, the, the, the quantity of the maize or the quantity of the cassava flour. So actually that was the staple food. We eat it almost afternoon, evening. So, so constant. But just that they, what I liked was they eat a lot of vegetables. But they are, which Ghana lacks. Hmm? <laughs> they eat so much vegetables. But they yeah. eat every, that food has to be accompanied by different sorts of vegetables. It wasn't varying almost every time. For food, but then they cook rice. So what's the name of their foods, the ones that you ate? Fufu. They call it fufu also. It's not as fufu as in Ghana. It's interesting. The name is the same. Uh-huh. Exactly. I also found it very interesting. Last year. <laughs> so you live in Madagascar now. And then I moved to Madagascar. 2015, I moved. <laughs> Why yes. Madagascar? You know, when I was training to become a priest, I lived with some Madagascans. You know? I found them to be very peaceful very calm and then uh, so I just like their way of living mm. I said this country would be interesting let me see they motivated me what I saw in them in those who were studying with me to come for mission here uh, so when I came here that's what I was saying the culture is, is more it's very different very 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 uh, peaceful hardly do they get angry and um, it's not so much a rich country you know but people are okay with what they have they are very grateful and uh, in the mission here, I would say it's challenging because I came here not as a student, but as a missionary priest. And so where I was put in an interior part of Madagascar, not in the capital, where I, 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 I was there for two years in a, in a parish, a church. And the challenge was where people, I wouldn't call them poor, but simple, very simple people. And their way of living, very simple. So I learned to be also simple in life. And as, as I said, as a priest, you know, the priesthood is no more, it's not a career as, a, as such, but it's more or less a calling and an evocation. Whereby I don't even think of a salary or something. You get something like pocket money or something like that. But then I, I end up helping people, like young people who, 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 who cannot even go to school because they don't, people donate something or for even when I was living in Ghana, people gave me something as a, let's say, farewell or something like that. All this kind of money I collect, I could, I didn't even use it on myself, but just ended up helping people you know, go to mm. school. Well, I was in the interior part of Madagascar, the village, where life wasn't easy, especially in terms of paying school fees and all those things. So I tried to help in a way, a small way that I could, people to, to study. Where you could, I realized people, some were very intelligent, you know, especially the young girls and very intelligent, but they, they couldn't they couldn't continue after after let's say GHS, the person may get married or just get pregnant, you know. So where do you live? 
Okay. The region is called Mananjari. And then the, the village itself is called Vuhilava. Mm. Is there somebody you're sponsoring at the moment? I sponsored someone whom I realized had really had the potential. Mm. The person came to me, just came from mass. After mass, it was a young girl. She was trying to speak French to me because here yeah, normally official language is French, but they use the Madagashi more. It's very poor. Huh? It's very quite poor. The level of French compared to Congo. So the, the young girls tried to speak to me in French. Although there were mistakes, but I was surprised to find somebody in the village speaking French to you. And I mm-hmm. asked her, where did you learn the French? So I got interested and I started talking to her. So that was when she was telling me, ah, she started investing, you know. She finished, she started investing, but then she didn't have any money. So she dropped out, she stopped. Just after the first year. Okay, so what are you doing now? So she was selling clothes, you know. Uh-huh. And then the money she would have gotten, gathering money, a bit of money to be able to, to scholarize herself. And then I realized, okay, then maybe I could help. I had some money with me, you know. Then the following year, 2017, I pushed her into school, which she did nursing. So one thing that baffled me in school, when she started the nursing in the town, that Mananjari, which is town, which is more a town, she was always first in class. So that made me so happy. I realized I wasn't wasting my money then. So I was really motivated to help. But I could have helped more, but, you know, she also had to contribute. So what I was doing, just the school fish and other things, because for her to stay in the capital, she has to rent a house. So she was paying for that home and the feeding. And then I was doing the, 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 the paying for the school fees and other things, tuition in general. She was very brilliant, very brilliant girl. Then she managed to finish. First, I'm talking, she finished last year. So she's now a nurse. Brilliant. I took on two other people, which I tried to help gradually. There's a, there's a guy, there's a boy, and then a girl, uh, another girl. The boy is learning agriculture. There's this school of agriculture here, and then the other girl is learning also learning nursing. Because nursing normally when you finish or agriculture, which is a very good field here, huh? they have got the, 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 the farming is very important here. So you easily get job to do. Mm. You can easily get something to do. In the nursing too, you can easily get something to do. You know, you would you wouldn't be without a job. You can easily find something to do. So as I'm as of now, there are two people I'm I'm taking care of. I would have really loved you know, to help more, but <laughs> there's a limit for everything. And that's how I can, how far I can go. <laughs> the difference is like when in Congo, I was a student. <laughs> but here, I'm working as a priest. And then, um, of course, I've studied, I've done everything. As a priest, I'm teaching in the, the, the major seminary, uh, which is more or less the level of university. After I get something of salary, Normally in the congregation, your salary is supposed to come back into the society to help my, my upkeep. Mm-hmm. But then I end up using it more to help others. It's, it's more a life of sacrifice more. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying I've really learned to be simple. Yes, I, I've learned a lot to live simple life here. But isn't that one of the tenets of being a priest that, that you would have learned anyway, to be simple? Exactly. That's one of them. But then there could be also a danger as a priest, depending on where you work, you know. Maybe if I could be in the capital or something a bit more comfortable, I could live simple, but not as simple as I live now. Mm. Yes. So 
There's another Ghanaian priest working here. He's also doing very well, also trying to help. He's, he's, rather, he's really promoting the girl education. And we were, we were thinking of maybe setting up something of a, a kind of NGO to help the girl child education. Because mm-hmm. you realize where we work in the interior parts, there's so many young girls who have so many potentials. But then unfortunately, <laughs> lack of uh, money or not having enough uh, to cater for themselves or the family not ha- being able to help them go to school, they drop out. So we are trying to do is maybe to scholarize, to help the young young people, not only girls as such, but at least the young people to, to study where we work. What are your plans moving forward? So you talked about the NGO. Do you plan to live in Madagascar for longer or come home? Actually, I would say I'm falling in love with this country. So I'm planning of staying here and working, especially mm. helping people. That's what I want to do, to help help people learn. You know? And yeah. uh, I'm planning of also to study myself, to continue with my doctorate. That's what I really want to do now. God willing, maybe next year. So that will be in theology, a doctorate in yeah, theology? In theological, they call it biblical theology. Are you converting people or are you teaching them to have a deeper understanding of God? Actually, the country itself is very Catholic. Madagascar is very Catholic, you know. But then the being Catholic as to how, how deep is their faith, you know. Mm. So what we try to do is to let people understand well their faith. The person may be a Christian, but as to whether the, the, the faith may not be so strong. So what we're trying to do, we do this, we, we how to call apostates to, to, to have an encounter with people mm. and help them to understand why they worship God, why they believe in God. Mm. Uh, to, to have understanding of what they are doing so that they have a strong faith. So then in, in times of maybe difficulties, that's like how I'm talking about the cyclone, no? which happened. Mm. These are difficult times, very mm. difficult times. No? So pe- people do not lose their faith to look for, to, to, to seek for riches, another manner or quick way of getting money, but then seek for the riches by working hard and then uh, still trusting in God, mm. working hard on their own, just to relive their lives. You know? That's one, one thing we try to do. Mm. And then in terms of when you do come back to Ghana, how has it made you see Ghana differently? <laughs> it's a good question. You know, I came, my first holidays was in 2017. For holidays. I was lost. You know, I was lost in the sense that all my friends, there was no friend. I was <laughs> a bit lonely. <laughs> mm. Because you were like, you know, childhood friends, people you grew up with. Everybody's busy, you know, everybody has something to do. Mm. So you came, came for vacation. Of course, I have a family, but then you realize being in the family, people are busy. Nobody mm. has the time for you. I had to adapt to the Ghanaian setting again. I have to adapt. I've, I've been gone for a long time. So mm. when you come back, you have to adapt, which is not so easy. Yeah. It's a bit hope. It's a bit useless. Let me use that word. Useless, a bit lonely. So I felt a bit not at home. Yeah. So especially the first week, I didn't feel so much at home. Oh dear. So I gradually had to adapt. That's one big challenge. 
And unfortunately, when I came, they had changed the money, you know, the currency. Yeah. I found it even difficult to adapt it, even the currency. <laughs> 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 it was easy. So I had to even how to get used to the currency, you know. This was first cities, now Ghana cities. Yeah. So are you I planning really to come back that. just for holiday again? Yeah. Yeah, this year. And what advice would you give to young people who want to join the priesthood? If someone wants to join the priesthood, it's, it's, as I said, it's not a career, but a, a calling and an vocation, mm. which is beautiful, a very beautiful and humble uh, vocation. So when someone joins the priesthood, should just be ready for anything. When I say anything, it means you have to be ready for any circumstances, anything that may happen in life, you know, because it's not so smooth yeah. as people may see it. It's not smooth. There are so many challenges. So the person has to prepare psychologically and then avail himself to God, you know, right. and let, allow God to use him. That's the, the main thing. You then accept what happens to you. I see that. I feel like you're very much at peace and happy where you are. More at home than Ghana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one last question, which is a bit different. We always ask people, if you were to invite somebody to Madagascar, and then I'll ask you about DRC, which places in your home area would you tell them to come to that are beautiful? Okay, then there's this place called Mushi Bay. It's, an, it's in Madagascar, it's an island. Yeah. But then it has a smaller island attached to it. Beautiful, so beautiful. What's beautiful, beautiful about island. it? You know, it's the ocean, the sea. And then the landscape, you know, mm. the nature naturally is beautiful. And there are some animals which are not found anywhere than here in Madagascar. They called maki. It's like a monkey, uh, more or less like a monkey, oh. black and white. And then in DRC, was there a particular area that you liked as well in Kinshasa? Uh, in Kinshasa, you know, in the capital, there's a place, the river, the Congo River. There are mm. nice resort places there. Mm. That's what's so beautiful. And then from there, you will see the other side, the other Congo, Brazzaville. From mm. that river, you see the other Congo just across. There's the river dividing the beautiful site, beautiful site to see. It's, which okay. passes through the capital. The, that river divides the, the Congo, DRC, and then the other Congo. The yeah. And so you are the site of the river. There are so many nice, nice uh, resorts, like a place for nice um for vacation and things and then one other thing is um, sometimes maybe we complain too much in ghana that's what i realized i'm not mm. saying everything is okay in ghana but then sometimes when you travel you realize that some complaints we don't even need to complain home seems to be a bit better although mm. it could have been it could have been better you know everybody's trying to strive for the best you know that's what every country should strive for yes yeah. But then when you travel, you realize uh, home is better. It's, it's, it's somehow better. And then there are some things we don't even need to complain about. It opens uh, call your mind, your horizon. Right? You understand people better. I encourage anybody who has the opportunity to travel, to travel, but then to have an aim of traveling. You don't just travel, to just traveling. There should be an aim. Thank you so, so much, Reverend Father. Thank you, Frank. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for listening to this episode by Academy Magazine and Miss B Writes. The music in this episode is called Life No Day Easy by Chechaku and the Super Pong Stars and is a special remix exclusively for the magazine. Super Pong Stars is a high-octane patchwork of Ghana's indigenous music genres, including palm wine, high life, Afrobeat and Afro-funk. Thank you. And if you'd like to listen to more podcasts like this, visit www.msbrights.co.uk and www.academagazine.com. Thank you.